0: How's everybody today? Great to see you in the house of God. Are you glad to be here today? Yes. Man, I would rather be here than in any prison in the country right now. Wouldn't you? Isn't it good to be in God's house with God's people celebrating God? Isn't it an amazing thing that we get to do this every week? Just so exciting to me. Let's, let's pray and we're going to get straight into God's word. Uh, Father, just, man, thanks so much just for the privilege of the blessing that we have of coming into your house and being with your family And celebrating you. God, we just thank you so much for you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everything that we have is in you, everything that we need is in you. And so, Lord, we just thank you because we can come to you with our needs, with our praises, with just to experience your presence in church every week. And God, we thank you so much for your word, man. This is a chance for us to really hear from you. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'll just kind of open your word up to us and show us what it is and, and open us up to your word so that we can be changed as we look into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the last few weeks, we've been looking at what it is like to live with your hair on fire and what it means to actually experience the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And we've been looking at the book of Acts and what happened to those people that it originally happened to, who first had their hair on fire. And as we look through this book, I don't know if you're reading along, but man, there's, some amazing stuff happening. There's some incredible miracles going on. There's some ridiculous like prayers being answered. And that was their experience when their hair was on fire and I'm just wondering if that's been yours. I mean, is there anybody here that would say, yeah, I prayed for something impossible. I asked for something amazing. I prayed for a miraculous healing or a restoration or a a miracle or a salvation. I prayed for a marriage to be restored or a family to be reunited. And when I prayed, God gave me a crazy, awesome yes. Anybody testify to that today? Yeah, a lot of us have experienced that crazy, awesome yes when you ask God for something impossible. But I'm also wondering if anybody here has ever experienced a shocking, crushing no. Where you've prayed for something that was, that was good. And you prayed for a good reason and you prayed with good motives and you said God this healing would just really help this family and this, you know, this, this restoration would just be so awesome and this job would just change my life. And so you prayed and you asked God in faith and the answer was no. And it's just like so hard to understand why that happens. How many of you have ever had a shocking, crushing no? (laughs) I think the no's have it today. Um, And I think intellectually we know that God is moved by our faith and God is moved by our prayer, but at the end of the day, he's a good father. And he will do what's best for us and he will do what's best for the family and he will do what's best for our eternity. I think intellectually we know, Romans eight twenty eight says, we know that God works all things for the good of those that love him that are called according to his purpose. We know it, but sometimes it's hard to believe it. Sometimes it's hard because we can't see the good that he's doing. We don't have his view, you know? God sees, God's view is different than ours, right? He sees everything from 30,000 feet. He sees the future, and so probably a lot of us have prayed for something that to us seemed obvious and real and reasonable and good, and it just feels like, why, why do we even pray? Because God's just gonna do what God's gonna do. And so today I wanna ask a question. When God just does what God's gonna do, what should we do? And we're gonna look at two stories in Acts and we're gonna see how two different guys that were really spirit-filled, hair-on-fire guys, and how they handled a crazy, awesome yes, and then how they handled a really shocking, crushing no. So just in case Jesus comes back during the service, let's do the yes first, yeah? Okay, so let's take a look at Acts 2 and, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 12 and verse one. And you've probably heard this story. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, I think it's really revealing about how we pray with expectation. Um, Acts 12, verse 1. About that time, uh, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. And he had the apostle James killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much that pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. And then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads and four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Let me ask you a question. How's that trial going to go for Peter? Not that good. Right? Because Herod, the reason he's doing this is because he just had James killed and people love that. So he said, well, let's get another one. So they got Peter. So this is, you know, Peter's waiting to be executed right now. Verse five. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep fastened with two chains between two soldiers, and others stood guard at the prison gate, and suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter, and the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. And the angel told him, now get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. And he said, now put on your coat and follow me. And so Peter left the cell, following the angel, but all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening, And they passed the first and second guard posts, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and they started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left them. And Peter finally came to his senses. And he said, it's true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. That is a crazy, awesome, yes. And as you can see, Peter is shocked by this thing. Look at verse 12, when he realized this, he finally realized, wow, this is really happening, wow. So he goes home to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So this is like a life group meeting, right? Going on at this woman's house. And he knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, She ran back inside and told everybody, Peter is standing at the door. And they all said, oh, you're out of your mind. But when she insisted, they just said, you know what, it must just be his angel. So let's get the story, okay? Peter is a wanted man right now, okay? There's an APB out for Peter. The bloodhounds are running through the street, or, or, right, they're, they're looking for Peter. Helicopters are flying over and shining those spotlights everywhere. He's on the front porch. <laughs> he knocks on the door, hey, quick, you know, let me in. She runs up and says, "Peter, is that Peter? And she turns around and leaves him standing on the front door. So Peter, <laughs> meanwhile, verse 16, meanwhile, Peter continues knocking. <laughs> it, <laughs> whatever, okay, When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed and he motioned for them to quiet down and he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison and he said, tell James and the other brothers what happened and then he went to another place. And this other place is probably Asia Minor, uh, Antioch, where he preached and he did miracles and God's words went out. So this was, I think you would agree, a crazy awesome yes. So how do we act, what do we do when the answer is a crazy, awesome, yes? And I'll give you a hint. It starts with surrender. And it ends with surrender. In fact, that's it, surrender. When it's a crazy, awesome, yes, first thing we do is surrender our expectations, right? Peter and and Rhoda and that life group and that church, they prayed, but they had pretty low expectations, it seemed, and they were surprised by the yes, and they actually had to surrender their low expectations, and I think sometimes when we pray for impossible things, we kind of put God in a box, huh? We kind of say, well, I mean, I'll pray for it, but there's no way that God's gonna say yes to this, and we shouldn't be surprised When God gives us a crazy, amazing, awesome, yes, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts gifts to your children, how much more does your perfect heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to you? Jesus specifically told us in Matthew 19, nothing is impossible for God. Ephesians 3.20 says he is able to do infinitely more than we could even ask or imagine, so we shouldn't be surprised. When the answer is a crazy, awesome yes, don't be surprised. Surrender your expectations. And we have to surrender to his plan. We have to surrender to his plan. Apparently, this miracle was part of God's plan for Peter. and God, God had a plan, and Peter just needed to surrender to that plan, and so do we. In Psalm 139, 16, David writes, You saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has a plan laid out for your life, and even when human beings make bad decisions that jack things up, God can still bring good out of it. Again, that verse, Romans 8, 28, says God is working all things for your good. God is working all things for your good, and I think when, when these good things happen, when the answer is yes, That is just you like getting a glimpse. That is just you just seeing some of the good stuff that God is bringing about in your life. So when the answer is yes, don't fight it. Just surrender to his plan and surrender to his leading. You know, this amazing yes led Peter out of jail and and back to that life group to share his story and then on to Asia Minor, on to Antioch, and on to right part of the New Testament. And I think sometimes God leads us with his word, and sometimes he leads us with his spirit, and sometimes he leads us through other people, and sometimes he leads us by opening and closing doors. Sometimes he leads us through a crazy, awesome yes. And when God says yes to your prayers, you should ask yourself, what door is this opening for me? Is this opening a door for me to tell my story? Is this opening a door for me to do something else for the kingdom? Maybe that's God leading you. So say yes and surrender to his plan and surrender to his expectation and surrender to his leading and by all means, when the answer is a crazy awesome yes, we should surrender in worship. And the answer is a crazy awesome yes. We should surrender in worship. We should recognize that all good gifts, every good thing we have comes from him. And the, Psalm is, the psalms are full of, of these great worships of God, right, these great poems, these great, like, these songs, Um, Psalm Psalm 30 is a great one. This is David, and he's exalting God, and he's worshiping God, and he's honoring God, specifically for what God has done for him, right? So God has given him a crazy awesome yes, and he's thanking God for all these yeses. Listen to this, Uh, Psalm 30, verse one, he says, I will exalt you, Lord, because you rescued me, and you refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health and you brought me up from the grave, and you kept me from falling into the pit of death. So what is that? That's David worshiping God for the yeses. That's David surrendering in worship and saying, God, when I asked for your help, you rescued me, and you gave me victory, and you healed me, and you saved my life, and you protected me. So when the answer is yes, we surrender in worship. So yeah, it starts with surrender. And it ends with surrender. And it's all about surrender. When the answer is a crazy awesome yes, we surrender our expectations. We surrender to his plan. We surrender to his leading. We surrender in worship. When the answer is a crazy awesome yes, we surrender. But some of you may know, the answer is not always yes, right? And so, what do we do when God gives us that shocking, crushing no? And you know that feeling, right? You've prayed for something, and it's like, no, it's like gonna happen. And you're like, why? Why, why no? I mean, it, it doesn't even make sense. Why, he can, he loves me, why no? And so let's look at how some other guys handled a really shocking, I think, crushing no. And this is Paul and Silas, and they're on Paul's second missionary journey. So, you know, Paul went all over the world, right? And this is on the second kind of phase, and this is Acts 16, 6. And this is a really interesting passage of Scripture. If you, if you pay attention to it, I think you'll see something really, really strange almost in this. Acts 16, 6. So it's talking about them going around, they're going to all these places and all this great stuff's happening. Okay, so next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. And then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north of the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on to Mysia through the seaport of Troas and ended up going to Macedonia. You don't need to know where those towns are. But they were were planning, right? They were praying for a successful mission trip to Asia. And instead, they got redirected to Macedonia and, spoiler alert, while they were there, they get beaten up and thrown in prison. So here's my question for you. What the chicken... Right, why, why, why? It doesn't make sense. Why would, it says, why would the Holy Spirit prevent them from preaching the word in Asia? Why, why? Asia needed the gospel. Asia was safe and well-developed, good roads, strong economy, great Asian food, Why? why? Why would the Holy Spirit prevent them from preaching His word in Asia and instead send them to Macedonia to get beat up and thrown in jail. And I got another question for you. How? Like, we don't know how he prevented them. Did he just say, you don't go? I don't, I don't know. Did he have a Did he give him a vision? Uh, did somebody prophesy? Most people think that he sent circumstances that prevented them from going to Asia. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they ran out of money. Maybe, um, maybe they got stuck airport security, right? Uh, I heard a pretty good case made that what happened that prevented them, the circumstance that he sent that prevented them was that Paul got sick. And some people think that Paul got sick right at this point and that's when he lost some of his vision. And then later when you read in Galatians, he tells them, remember when I first came and you guys welcomed me even though I was sick and even though I was weak, you still welcomed me. Also, this is when Luke, who's a doctor, started traveling with Paul. Because up until now, Paul's been saying, they did this, and they did that, and they did this. And then from this point forward, Luke says, we did this, and we went there. So a lot of people think that what happened that prevented him from going into Asia was that Paul got sick. And his vision was somehow affected. And then Luke started traveling. And that's how the Holy Spirit prevented them from going into Asia. And I don't know if that's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was the, some kind of weird Asian virus. <laughs> don't know. I've heard those are bad. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how he prevented them, and I don't, I don't know why he prevented them, but the Holy Spirit, it says, prevented them from doing this good thing. The answer was a shocking, crushing no. And to me, the fact that we don't understand the why or we don't even know the how, it just makes this story more relatable for us. Because I bet every single person in this room, every single person that's online right now can relate to this where you've wanted something to happen. And it was, it was a good thing. It was even a godly thing. And so you've prayed, God, you know, send me a godly spouse, or God, send me a new job, or God, send me a new friend, or God, I need healing in my body, or I need healing in my marriage, I need healing in my family. God, I need my prodigal to come back home. God, I need my business to grow. These are are good things to ask for, and it seems so obvious, right, that God would just say yes. It would even be like a great chance for God to show off, you know, and, and, and be glorified. So you pray, and you believe, and, 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 and you're all ready for this crazy, awesome yes, and instead you get a big, fat, shocking, crushing no. What do we do then? Because when it was yes, our answer was all about surrendering, right? When the answer was yes, we just surrender. We surrender our expectations. We surrender to his plan. We surrender to his leading. We surrender in worship and, you know, it's weird, I think when it's no, maybe our response is the same as when it was yes. Maybe our response is still about surrender. When it's a shocking, crushing no, the first step we take is to surrender our expectations. And that's really hard. It's really hard because we're asking for something that's, that's so good and, and so right. And I, yeah, I know this is a good thing. Why won't God do it? Why? Why? I don't, why won't he answer my prayer to my expectations? And I think it's, you know, they say you don't know what you don't know, right? It's, I think it's hard for us to see that God is moving things around in a plan that is so complex. There is no way we could understand it. And we, we shouldn't be surprised when it doesn't make sense. We should, we should probably be surprised when it does make sense. So sometimes that plan that is so complex we can't grasp it is gonna take some turns that we don't understand. And sometimes that plan is gonna mean he's gonna say no. And we need to hold on to Isaiah 55, eight, right? God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything that you can imagine. Let me tell you a funny story. So we we sold our house, and now we're living in my daughter's like pool house, right? And so that's great. It's tiny, tiny little apartment thing with a 150-pound dog. So that's awesome. Um, but our dog is freaking out, right? She keeps tearing stuff up. She's, she's nervous. She, she's scared of everything. She's anxious. She doesn't understand why this is all happening. So the other day I sat down with her and I said, Matilda, look, we're going to build another house. It's up near Blanco, you're gonna have a big nice yard, we're not even gonna do a fence, you're gonna have lots of freedom, it's gonna be really great there. It's gonna be shady and we're gonna have a wonderful time there. This is just a temporary thing, it's for our good, believe me, trust me, it's for our good. How many of you believe that Matilda went, oh that's great, now I get it. She doesn't understand that. She doesn't understand that. All she understands is where's my grass, right? This is not the area that I'm used to, this is not the way that I thought things would, would turn out. Think about this. Why should you understand a plan that you can't see? Right, God is looking at this thing from a completely different angle than you are. He has a much bigger view than you have. God sees everything from 30,000 feet and God sees the future. So sometimes we're praying for things that look good and look right from where we're sitting, but God can see that the best answer for us or the best answer for our family or the best answer for the kingdom is no. And we can get mad, and we can shake our fists at God. Or we can surrender our expectations, and we can remember that God is always good. And God is working all things for our good. But that doesn't mean that our circumstances will always feel good. So when the answer is a shocking, crushing no, don't be surprised, just surrender your expectations and surrender to his plan look at Paul's deal right his plan was to go to Asia his plan was to go to Asia it's a good plan but apparently God had other plans to reach the people in Asia and if you keep reading you're going to see that God did have a plan to reach the people in Asia and he also had another plan for Paul and Silas and I'm guessing that Paul and Silas didn't like his plan because it involves them getting beaten with sticks and thrown in jail as you read on, you'll see that that plan plays out, right? In fact, in chapter 16, we're going to see that God sent an angel to rescue them from jail and the jail guard and his whole family gets saved. And so maybe, maybe that's why instead of going to Asia, in God's plan, they needed to go to Macedonia. Romans 8, 28 says, God is working all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I guess either you believe that or you don't. And if you do, then you'll surrender to his plan. Real faith says, you know what, my plan may be good, but I know Jesus well enough to know that his way is better. So even though I don't understand the plan, even though I can't see the plan, I'll surrender to the plan. And again, it's hard. We don't see the big picture. Matilda can't see what's gonna happen six months from now, right? do you remember, if you've raised kids, you remember when the kids were like two, right? And it's time to go to bed. How many of you have children that said, bedtime, awesome. (laughs) Zero. Right, no, no, anything but that. There's no value in going to bed. I'm happier when I'm not in bed. I don't wanna go to bed, there's no reason. It doesn't make sense, you must hate me because you're making me go to bed. And and you're gonna explain it to them? You're gonna tell an 18-month-old kid why they have to go to bed? Sometimes you just have to say, right now, you're just gonna have to trust that mommy and daddy are doing what's best for you and what's best for our sanity, and, and you're gonna go to bed. And then what happens? They grow up and they look back and they go, oh, that's why. And I think 10,000 years from now, we're all gonna be looking back on a lot of shocking, crushing nose, and saying, That's why it needed to be no. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's a shocking, crushing no, this is about trusting him enough to surrender to his plan and to surrender to his leading. Again, you know, this no for Paul. Right? He got a no on going to Asia, and that led him somewhere else. And so now he goes to, there's a list, Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Antioch, Ephesus, Troas, and Rome. He went to all those other places instead. He got that no, and that opened the door for him to go to these other places, and he started churches in those places, and lots of people came to know Jesus in those places. And, he, and once those churches were started, Paul wrote letters back to those churches, and those letters became some of the books of the New Testament. They became Philippians and Thessalonians and Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, and 2,000 years later, I love those books. Those books are changing our lives, right? And I can tell you, I'm glad. I'm glad that God's no led Paul to these other places. And I'm thankful that, God, that Paul surrendered to God's leading. And people say that, and we've all experienced this, right? God leads us by opening doors, right? But in Paul's case, in this case, God led him by closing doors. God was actually leading him with a no. And I've experienced this in my life. Um, Some of you heard my story, but I started to work for this company on my 14th birthday. And I worked there until I was 29. And so now in 1989, don't bother with the math. I'm 60 years old. Okay, just follow with me here. Okay, so now I've been working for this company more than half of my life, and a horrible, horrible man bought the company. If you remember the corporate raiders of the 80s, remember Gordon Gecko? Remember that from Wall Street? That guy bought that company that I loved, and and the people that I worked with that I loved. We're just like slaves to this horrible, miserable, rotten, terrible man. And so you know how the Bible says that you should pray for your enemies? I prayed every day, God, just let him get hit by a bus. <laughs> In Jesus' name. You know, I just prayed, just, this is my life, man. This is my career. This is all I know. I, 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 I need a yes right now. I need him to sell the company or move away or get hit by a bus or something. But the answer to that prayer was a shocking, crushing no. And I hated it. And I was just so broken. And I, I mean, I had no choice, I had to regroup. And so somehow uh, we ended up moving to San Antonio and somehow we ended up starting this little real estate business and somehow we ended up going to CBC and somehow we ended up doing some ministry and somehow we ended up starting this church. And now I can see that God used that shocking, crushing no. He closed that door to move me to where I needed to be in His plan. And maybe the shocking, crushing no in your life is a door that God is closing to lead you to something higher, or to something bigger, or to something better. When you pray for something that's, that's, that's really important A shocking, crushing no, I don't have to tell you, it's really painful. But what I can say is, don't waste the pain. You know, when you get the shocking, crushing no, ask yourself, could this be God closing this door to lead me to another door and surrender to his leading? That's a hard one, huh? You think that's a hard one? Wait till you hear this one. When the answer is a crushing, shocking no, surrender and worship. Obviously, that's a lot easier when the answer was the awesome, crazy yes. But really knowing God means really knowing that he is good even when the answer is no. He is good even when the answer is no. Repeat this after me. He is good, he is good. Even, when the is no. even when the answer is no. Okay, now this time say it like you mean it. He is good, he is good. Even, when the is no. even when the answer is no. In Acts 16, this story continues. I mentioned it earlier. Paul and Silas, they get attacked by this mob. They're not doing any wrong. They prayed for things to go great, right? They, wish, they wanted to go to Asia, right? And they're doing the God's work. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're attacked by a mob. They're stripped naked. They are publicly beaten with rods and thrown in prison. Not just any prison. The Bible says they're thrown in the dungeon of the prison. So that's like the bottom floor, right? They're down under the prisoners. They're down chained to a dirt floor. There's no bathrooms down there. Get the message? They're sitting in I don't even know what in dirt and covered with their own blood and there are rats and snakes and spiders all over the place and they're gonna get rescued early the next morning. But one of the most interesting things in this story is what they were doing just before the rescue while they were sitting there in that filth, while they were sitting there with rats crawling on them, while they were sitting there bleeding, they weren't planning their escape and they weren't complaining. Let's pick up the story and we'll see what they're up to. Acts 16, 24. The jailer put them in the inner dungeon and he clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's got to be a typo. Right? They're, they're attacked. They're stripped. They're beaten. They're chained in the dirt of this dungeon, surrounded by who knows what, waiting to be executed. And while they were there, they were worshiping. When they got a shocking, crushing, no. They surrendered in worship. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that we should be thankful in all circumstances. We should be thankful in all circumstances. And you know, the first thing when I read that, I think, well wait, that, that doesn't make sense. When the answer is no? I'm supposed to thank God for a divorce? I'm supposed to thank God when I get betrayed? I'm supposed to thank God when I lose my job? I'm supposed to thank God for cancer? No, it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. This says to be thankful in all circumstances. So we're not thankful for cancer. But we can be thankful even in cancer. Because as the saying goes, God is good all the time. And his goodness is not determined by our circumstances. Remember that Psalm we talked about, Psalm 30, where David was praising God for the yeses, right? Oh, for the victory, for the healing, for salvation, for protection. He's thanking God for the yeses. He's thanking God for what he's done. And that's awesome, and that's easy. But the Psalm before that, Psalm 29, is different. It's not worshiping God for the yes. It's not worshiping God for what he's done. In this Psalm, he's just worshiping God for who he is, Psalm uh, 29.1 says, honor the Lord, you heavenly beings, honor the Lord for his glory, for his strength. Honor the Lord just for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. What's that talking about? We're not worshiping him for what he's done. We're just worshiping him for who he is. Again, God's goodness is not dependent on our circumstances. So we worship him in the crazy, awesome yes. And we worship him in the shocking, crushing no. So I don't know you know what's going on in your life. Maybe you just had a crazy, awesome yes. Or maybe you're right in the middle of a shocking, crushing no. But whatever your circumstances, I would just encourage you that God is good and that his plan is bigger, and his thoughts are higher, and his love is deeper, and his way is better. And even in the shocking, crushing no, he is with you. Even in the shocking, crushing no, even when it doesn't seem like it, he's for you. And if you believe that, surrender your expectations, and surrender to his plan, surrender to his leading, and whatever is going on in your life right now, let's just stop right now and surrender in worship. Father, thank you for loving us. I thank you because for each one of us, you've had a plan since before we were born, every day laid out, every circumstance allowed for, every mistake compensated for. I thank you, God, because you are working all things for good. So, God, in the crazy, awesome yes, we surrender. And, God, we trust you so much that even in the shocking, crushing. No. We surrender. We surrender our expectations. We surrender to your plan. We surrender to your leading. And we surrender in worship, not just because of what you've done, but just because of who you are. We surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, thank you so much for being here. If you're visiting with us, love to know that you were here. If you'll stop at our Connection Center, they've got a little gift for you back there, get you to fill out a card. I'd love to send you an email, give you a call this week. Next week is Father's Day. So if you grew up with a terrific dad or you grew up with a terrible dad, and if you are an amazing dad or if you've been an awful dad, I wanna tell you that what we all need is a perfect father. And we'll talk about him next week. We'll see you then. God bless.